Hi everyone, we just wanted to give a heads up that during the recording of this episode, we ran into some technical difficulties with our mics. You may hear an assortment of background noises, but thank you for bearing with us in advance, and we still hope you enjoy this conversation. Off the Club Coffee. I'm your host, Angela Banzon, and this is Brie Booey. Oh my god, wait, is this real? <laughs> Sorry, I'm like really hyper right now. Um, okay, that's great. Channel your energy. <laughs> I think I'm hyped because this is actually the week that we launched our first three episodes, so I'm like super happy that everyone is receiving um I guess we're receiving like positive messages about the podcast. So if you're listening, if you're supporting, we appreciate you so much. Yo, she's like cracked <laughs> out right now. <laughs> but thank you. Yes, yeah, we appreciate the love. <laughs> just, just so you know, to the audience, the listeners, this is both your first time and my first time witnessing Angela so coked out right now. But <laughs> I'm sober. I'm just high off life. <laughs> that's, that's honestly great. Um, yeah, so if you guys don't know, we record our podcast probably like a couple weeks before the actual launch of the episode. Um, so, yeah, you probably are listening to this and thinking, oh, what that was like two weeks ago you guys launched but you know what we're in the future so (laughs) wait sorry like half of that went out the other year (laughs) (laughs) this is why it's i talk slow so you can process but when i'm hype i guess (laughs) it doesn't process that well catch on okay okay (laughs) Um, where were we? You can repeat what you said or you can carry on. No, we can carry on. (laughs) There's also a liquor game happening in an hour, so I'm trying to like, you know. (laughs) I heard heard liquor, like liquor game. Laker. LA Lakers. That's why she's hype. Not because of the podcast. (laughs) Are we leaving all of this in? I'm done. Okay. Okay. Whatever. All right. How are you feeling, Bree? I guess I was talking about myself the entire time. (laughs) No, your energy is is so great. I am tired from work, but I this is actually what I was looking forward to all week. Um, So I'm just I'm ready. Even though my energy level doesn't audibly sound uh, as high as Angela's, it's there. (laughs) Just in my heart. (laughs) (laughs) The energy is with me today. Yes, it is, which I'm super happy about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Sorry, I'm like still processing. Anyway, so this this week, um, we actually this month for February, we are touching on relationships. Ooh. And you know why? Because it's <laughs> Angela's birthday. No! <laughs> because it is February, which is Valentine's Day, which is symbolic to love. But we want to <clears throat> uh, 
we want to redirect the attention of relationship love into other forms of love so with other people so this episode i guess you want to have a little introduction brie yeah um yes <laughs> <laughs> love is love y'all um well I'm, I'm acting like i'm about to come out or something love is love <laughs> and the reason why what the fuck am i saying let me reword that love is love and in this episode i'm going to be sharing uh, my story about my relationship with my parents and how that has changed me and affected me for the better or it could be for the worse i don't know we'll find out together after we talk about it um <laughs> and uh i just think it's really important because i personally have not even reflected a lot on my relationship with my parents i feel like it's uh maybe it's an asian culture thing but it's just something that i shove under the rug because mm -hmm. they just exist and they birthed me and they took care of me when i was younger and then you know we we go about our lives because we're adults now but uh, i think with this episode it actually helped me um, when i was prepping for this episode it helped me reflect a lot and i think this falls into the theme of the month of love because love isn't just about a significant other um, it's all types of love including with your family and your parents um, or your siblings and friends so yeah that is that is the a better description to what I was trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like really unsure how you're going to get there, but <laughs> you just handed me. You helped me. <laughs> so yeah, um, this episode is, um, I, I don't want it to get too heavy, but it is going to have some serious uh, topics that I want to bring to light just because I am speaking from my own experience. But I hope that it, uh, someone out there uh, listening to this can relate to it in some way, shape or form um, as uh, just being a, a child of immigrant parents uh, growing up in the United States. I'm, uh, I'm confident that you know, I live in a community of people that have lived a similar life as, as I have. And so I do hope that this does um, resonate with you in some way. Yeah. Love it. I'm excited for this episode. I've been talking about it all week. So I'm excited to learn more about you, actually, because I told you, <clears throat> I told you earlier that knowing more about how you were brought up and your childhood really says a lot about who you are as a person today so i'm excited to see the progression but also see the result of everything thank you yeah thanks for being so supportive of this and um yeah i i it's true i don't really speak about my parents that much so even angela maybe does not know the full story of it all so i'm excited to share it with you um and thank you for sharing, because this is pretty deep and pretty personal, so. Thank you. Um, okay, how should I just dive into this without, like, diving into it? Okay, I'm just going to dive into it. <laughs> I grew up as one of two children. I have an older sister, and we have an 18-year age gap. Um, it's pretty big 
And in fact, not a lot of people really knew I had an older sister for a while because they never really saw her. Um, or if they did, they wouldn't think that she was my sister because she was that much older than me. Um, and uh, I'm full Vietnamese for the record. Um, at least I think I am. I haven't taken those like ancestry. <laughs> I haven't taken those like ancestry tests, so I could be like one percent something else. I don't know, but yeah, my parents are definitely both uh, in the mainland. But yeah, so um, I guess the way I want to go about sharing this story is I want to talk about my upbringing, um, how I was raised, um, where I grew up and kind of the impact of the way I was raised um, and how it kind of affected my adolescent life going and going into college um, and then kind of the choices that I had to actively make um, to control the way it was affected, uh, affecting me um, and then the positive outcome outside of that and the learning lessons that I carry with me today, um, literally to this very day. So. Thank you for staying on this uh, ride with me. But yeah, so I'm the youngest child. Um, my sister, so much older than me, when she was 18 is when we were born, uh, is when I was born and we lived in Virginia. I was born, or we first lived in Fredericksburg, Virginia. And um, as the second child and also the youngest child, um, I was given everything that I wanted, at least in my sister's perspective. I was given everything that I wanted um, compared to my sister growing up who uh, was such under strict household rules because she essentially lived a different generation than me. Um, she could not even go out, she could not date, she could not do anything until she essentially got married. Um, so yeah, she was like, an, she's an 80s baby. And so, um, that was already the, I would say the, the precedent that was set was just that I was youngest, so I was gonna get whatever I want. Um, but me personally, I remember very clear as a child that I did not get what I wanted, but perhaps that's because maybe I was spoiled. And so to me at the time, I thought I wasn't getting what I wanted when in reality I was. But um, I had my own frustrations with my parents and uh, that eventually grew and magnified and took a toll on my relationship with my parents, specifically with my mom. So that frustration is, I never understood why all the other kids um, were allowed to hang out and play and go over to each other's houses and I was never able to. I went to a public um, elementary school, a public middle school, and a public high school. And, um, oh sorry, are you good? Is, is it Pinox? It's the dogs outside, sorry. Oh, no, it's fine. Okay, <clears throat> let me rephrase that. Um, I grew up uh, in an area where it was majority white and Hispanic and I went to a public elementary school, public middle school, public all the schools. And um, a lot of my friends, uh, when I was younger, had parents that would give their children, uh, give them everything that they wanted um, with very lenient uh, rules in how they raised their, their children. 
And so for me, it was really frustrating that I could never do the same. Uh, I never understood why all the other kids were allowed to hang out, uh, why they were allowed to go to each other's houses. And I was always, um, I felt trapped inside all the time. And I know this mm. story, it probably right now, it sounds very like basic, like, oh, okay, we all had to go through that. Um, and, uh, you know, it's n it doesn't seem like anything too, too crazy or too drastic. But uh, for me, because of the type of child, that I was, um, I and with Asian parents for those listeners, um, my mom would make she would not let me out, and she would make me do the same homework assignment um, over and over and over, twice, three times, four times. I don't think uh, like other types of parents make their kid do that. And then whenever I got one answer wrong, she would rip it up, the whole homework, and I have to start over again. And I'm like crying. Um, no wonder you're so is smart. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny you say that because I did not really do that well in school when I was younger. So it's, and that's probably why my mom was so pissed off all the time. But she like, I she terrified me because I couldn't get like what single question wrong. And usually what a, par a good parent, a, a typical parent would do, I would think is if their child gets a question wrong, they sit down with the child and they're like, okay, let me help you understand the problem, but no. My mom's like, you got wrong. And then she like ripped off all the papers. And then I'm like crying and I'm like 10 years old. So that was just traumatizing for me. Um, and I would throw a tantrum too sometimes because I that's just how I uh, lashed out with my emotions. I didn't, I was too young. I could not process it. I was just so upset. Um, and there's just a lot of things that accumulated. Like my mom, um, I, I never got to have the, the friendships and the childhood that I uh, wanted compared to like, all these other children. So I felt like I missed out a lot on mm -hmm. my childhood. Um, <clears throat> at 14 years old, I got into my first secret relationship with a white boy and we kept it a secret for at least one year. And um, my mom, when she found out was so <laughs> I can't even describe her face, but she like technically she basically just didn't believe that I was interested in um, like a guy or that I was um, capable of like fancying other people. And so it really took her by surprise. Um, and I and why the reason why I want to talk about my first secret relationship was because um, this person he grew up in your typical happy American family, um, mm -hmm. at least from my perspective uh, as an eight little Asian girl. And he had the sweetest parents. And so through that, I was I learned so much about American family culture. And I got to essentially immerse myself in all of the good things about um, American families uh, and I learned you know wow they're such communicative parents they have so much empathy and trust um, they uh, almost feel like they're his friends um, and that's just something that was so rare to me and so foreign because I could never look at my parents like 
um, like friends or companions because they were like my overlord, my ruler, like my mm -hmm. of yeah. my life. Because that's just how parents are, um, or at least my parents and Asian parents are. And so because I was getting exposed to all of these so-called like better realities that I craved so much, um, I begun to resent my parents and I began to resent my own upbringing um, and I compared my family so much to all the other families and I would even ask myself why was I born into this family and as dark as that sound it, it sounds is it was just because I was so disconnected with my cultural roots at that age like all I wanted was was just to have like um, a normal family, uh, a, a mom that I could um, talk to about things, but I, I just could never do that with my mom, um, to hang out with my friends without having to uh, make up a reason why I want to like have friends. Yeah. I had to like, mm -hmm. justify why I wanted a friend to, to parents. It's kind of crazy, but that's just the reality of it. <laughs> um, so the my disconnection with um, or my desire to have this like re this fantasy or this um, like this culture and this childhood that I wanted, it drew me to be disconnected with my my roots, disconnected with my parents, um, mm -hmm. and it contributed to just the distance that was happening between my mom and I. Mm -hmm. um, and I channeled a lot of these injustices that I was facing as a teen. Um, I can only retrospectively say this because I did not recognize what this was at the time. But looking back, I recognized that I was channeling a lot of these um, injustices that I was facing as a teen towards my parents um, because I thought it was how they raised me um, that I couldn't make as many friends as I wanted to. Um, and I thought, I thought that because of how they raised me that um, I, I couldn't date and I couldn't go on fun trips and hangouts like all like all the other normal kids, um, and I because of that I just felt really alone um, because none of the kids could relate to me um, because they had quote cooler parents, mm -hmm. and I had never developed that relationship with my parents to be able to talk about my feelings, um, and I'm sure a lot of us can relate to to that type of relationship, and so I was because of that I was actually never taught how to process my emotions. So I was a pretty disobedient child for a really long time. Um, I was a, a troublemaker, um, my, the complete opposite of my sister. My sister was so obedient. Um, she never spoke out about anything. She lived a very um, like calm life, I guess, like not as turbulent, but for me, like I always had to to um, talk back to my mom. Um, I was so easily triggered and I was anxiety ridden all the time um, in my teen, these are in my teen years. So fast forward, the moment I knew my relationship with my mom, and the reason why I'm, this is mainly about my mom versus my dad, because um, I love both of them and, and my dad was equally involved, but um, my dad just wasn't as like, uh, I just don't think he was as active uh, and vocal the way my mom was. And my mom was the one that like 
um, was just so, so involved. And my dad was just kind of like, he, he, he was so nice to me. I was kind of like, um, what, do, what do they say? Like daddy's girl in a sense. So I never had any turbulent problems against my dad. Um, so this is why a lot of these root issues stem from my relationship, my relationship with my mom. So yeah, the moment I knew my relationship with my mom hit rock bottom was when I was around 16 or 17 years old. And I told her to her face that I hated her. And then I tried to run away. <laughs> but it was not successful. It was actually so unsuccessful. It was like embarrassing. Like I basically tried to run away um, in the middle of the night at like four in the morning. Oh my uh, gosh. My, boy my, my teenage boyfriend at the time lived like 10 minutes away so he would like drive over and like try to pick me up but then like there uh, little did we know there was like a neighborhood cop parked there and he saw um like me and like how young we were and we were like walking around at night and then he was like how old are you and then us being naive rich is like oh like we're 16 whatever and they're like okay well you're not an adult you're not supposed to be out you're a minor like you need to give me your address um and oh, I'll, walk you, I'll walk you back to your parents house imagine that like getting walked back by a cop and having to having to wake up your own mom saying mom there's a cop here and he wants to talk to you because you ran away like that is so mm. so it was yeah at the time i was like oh my god this is so pathetic <laughs> it, it really is um my mom was so pissed so so pissed um but besides the fact um i had told her that i had i hated her and i had never seen my mom cry before until that day mm -hmm. um, and it was so weird. Um, it felt. It actually made me feel uncomfortable, and I. The, it, it was so shocking to me. I had never seen. I, I'll never forget her face, and um, it broke my heart. Uh, and it actually shocked me because growing up all my life, I had never seen. I realized that I had never seen weakness and vulnerability in my mom. So I know that sounds crazy, um, but as a child, I just could not see my mom as someone who could get hurt. Um, and, and looking back now, uh, I realize that the reason why I just could not see my mom that way is likely because she just never let me see her in that state. But as a child, when you don't get that type of emotional connection with your parents, uh, it's more of a negative effect than it is um, a positive one like as a kid I didn't I wasn't mature enough or emotionally um, yeah like mature enough to recognize like, oh my mom's being tough for me like all I could think about as a child is is what I was being deprived of because I was the children are so much more in tune with their with their um, initial mo emotions than you know than anyone else um, in this in this life so yeah, and, and so she was she was always so tough on me that I had developed this unwithering perception that this is just the person that she was and there was nothing else to it. That she was just a stone cold, tough lady um, and nothing else to it. So to see her cry was so weird. Now it was the first time I could see her like let her like facade down mm -hmm. as a yeah. tough mom. And um, yeah, I'm thinking about the words I said to her back then. It makes it makes me almost want to cry now because now that I'm older, um, I would never want to hear those words 
you know, out of my future daughter or son. So yeah, but you know, I, I, I also, I'm not hard on myself. Like kids are gonna say stupid things. Um, I was definitely going through teenage time, but my feelings at the time were, were very valid and I, I recognize that in myself. So I'm not, so I, That's I good. also learned to forgive myself um, mm -hmm. and make and make it up in other ways. That's so good. thanks. And so, um, yeah. So speaking of making it up in other ways, uh, this is essentially the turning point to where positive things started to happen. Um, but even after the day that she cried, there was never a conversation about it. As you know how Asian parents are, communication is just at the bottom of the list. It's yeah. not even, like no one actually be, is gonna be like, hey, let's sit down and talk about what happened about our argument. Like no one, like, <laughs> like no Asian person, like I cannot think of like, yeah. You know, like that's just not how we roll. And so, um, just like how my Asian, my family has always been, we sweep toxic things under the rug and we carry on. Um, and that's how my parents were raised and my parents' parents were raised. So it's just a generational thing. At 18 years old, I moved to Harrisonburg to begin my four years of, of university. And so this was the first time in my life where I was on my own and the feeling was so scary but it was so liberating like i had to get used to not talking to my mom every day not seeing her not hearing her voice telling me what to do and my sister even warned me to not end up like a crazy chick in college if you know what i mean because i was so sheltered um that i was gonna like i don't know go ape shit and like i don't know you know what i'm talking about and yes <laughs> i would keep it like pg so uh, and, and, you know, even myself, I was like, I hope I don't go ape shit, you know what I'm talking about, but uh, I think we all turned, I think I turned out okay, so. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, yeah, <laughs> were, were you going to say something? Oh, no, no, no. Um, but, yeah, so I, I learned with, I learned with physical distance um, that my mom actually wasn't, uh, uh, she ended up not becoming or she her crazy helicopterness of um, a mom that she was it started to to wear off um, the longer I was in college so um, it actually almost completely dropped within my freshman year like I had because I had expected her to want to to call me want me to call her every single night to tell her everything I'm doing um, but surprisingly she backed off um, and because of that, it actually helped me gravitate to her more because my mom wasn't as helicoptery. So it was easier for me to feel inclined to to come to come to her and hit her up and stuff and call her um, because I felt like she was actually giving me some breathing room. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So off off the record, I'm just trying to find where I am because I'm using my my notes as a reading guide. Um, mm -hmm. <clears throat> Oh, yeah, so I felt like I was given the space that I deserved as a young adult. So college was where, for the first time, I, I came in um, in touch with my Asian roots. And so this was actually a huge changing um, uh, or pivotal moment in my life, uh, extremely pivotal. This was uh, me joining a Vietnamese student association, it's called VSA. Um, this was, again, the first time I got in touch with my Vietnamese heritage. This was so big because I 
was not in touch with it at all. I didn't, I barely recognized myself as Asian because it just wasn't really something that was um, fed to me, um, mm -hmm. like in my hometown. So for the first time I got to interact and connect with people that looked like me. And I know that sounds crazy. It's like as if I was stranded on like an island full of white people my whole life, but it basically that's what it was. Uh, so um, it's not like I haven't seen an Asian before, but this was the first time I connected and related with people my age um, that were Asian. And that was such a big deal. Um, because I could never identify with my Asian roots before. There's just never an opportunity. So VSA changed my life for the better. And it just gave me this sense of belonging uh, in a predominantly white world, essentially, because JMU, the school I went to, was also 90% white. Maybe I think their statistics are looking a little bit better um, now, but uh, that's just also what it felt like. And it, we were statistically a minority group. So, um, but being in VSA was so different because sometimes um, it would honestly feel like it a world where, where we were the majority because I, being in VSA, um, and they and there's also a lot of VSA organizations in, in California schools too. Yeah. So you're very much aware, and I'm sure a lot of people listening are very much aware, like wow, how being in an Asian community is, and it, it truly does feel sometimes like you're the majority. And so I made some some of the most valuable friendships through that that I still hold hold close today. Um, and because of my time with VSA, which I stayed on until until the moment I finished school, um, I felt so much more in tune with my roots. Um, and for the first time, I was actually developing this feeling of like cultural pride, like, oh, I'm Asian and I, I want to recognize myself like as Asian and I'm proud to say that I'm Asian. Like, mm -hmm. this is actually cool. Like, I like being Asian and like, it felt good to say as weird as that sounds out loud, it's just like, like fuck yeah like i'm asian like we rock like i could never <laughs> i never could think about that or say that before um before going before i was 18 years old and you so, know how to speak um vietnamese right yes yeah which is actually so that's so funny that you mentioned that because i actually forgot um that I, <laughs> that I speak um yes my i'm I'm bilingual and I'm, I'm fluent in Vietnamese still. I still have like my native tongue-ish, um, which is so funny that because going into college, I felt very disconnected with my Vietnamese heritage, but I'm pretty sure, I think I was one of the rare Vietnamese students that actually still spoke Vietnamese in college. Did you speak to your parents in Vietnamese? Yes, I only speak with them in Vietnamese even even right now and today. Oh, wow. How are, how's their English? Their English is um, is good, but it is okay. definitely broken. Like you, there's a very thick accent. So, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, but, but um, I think also their their English deteriorated a little bit because um, they used to own a business, and so that's why their English got so sharp, um, yeah. a lot sharper. But since they re they retired their business and stuff for like it's been over ten years now, um, I don't think they really practice their English that much anymore. So, um, so yeah. Just, mm -hmm. <laughs> but wow, yeah, actually, I like almost forgot. But yeah, that I thought that was pretty ironic that I was I felt so disconnected uh, with my Vietnamese heritage, but I still spoke my my native tongue. Um, and there was and there are students that um, did not. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, through my 
the reason why I'm sharing this VSA, VSA story was because if it wasn't for developing this essentially cultural kinship like camaraderie with my Asian American friends, I, I wouldn't have found my true identity and myself, which is exactly who, uh, a huge part of who I am today is my, my identity as an Asian American. And this is what made me mend my relationship with my parents, my mom specifically. Um, I began to forgive my parents for how they raised me because I got to better understand the intentions behind why they raised me like so because I got to better understand Vietnamese, Asian culture, Asian parents, um, knowing that there's so many other people that can relate to me, I didn't feel alone anymore. I just felt empowered to have come from the same hardships. It didn't even feel like something to be ashamed of. That's the crazy turning point is that I feel like when, like when you can bond with a group of people and saying, hey, we came from that place or we grew up in that same thing. We went through the same obstacles and adversities. It's so much different than being like, oh, I'm ashamed from where I came from because I had to face adversities. It's like, oh, like I'm proud, like every, you get me, you know? So that was really, mm -hmm. really big and pivotal for me. Um, and, and most importantly, uh, out, out of for, aside from forgiving my parents and better understanding intentions, I I just grew tolerance, um, tolerance and patience for the way they acted. Um, they're not perfect parents, and and they still say things that annoy me sometimes. But how I react to it is is with more empathy. Um, peace and awareness uh, as opposed to being annoyed and feeling personally attacked or resentful um, because uh, uh, just because I also have this new under newfound like realization that as I'm growing up they're they're becoming older they're growing older there, there's mm, the saying yeah. that I'm pretty sure that's a quote somewhere I remember it was like as you're growing uh, as you're busy growing up uh, your parents are growing old and I feel and you know I think that's a quote is to, to say that you know don't leave them behind in a sense oh um, yeah so now we're getting a bit closer to to current day um, when I moved to California I was more physically distant from my mom, of course. I was around 3,000 miles away. But our relationship surprisingly grew even stronger. Um, I was, I was, um, and this is where that quote comes in that as we grow up, our parents are growing older. Um, I was so, I've been so busy, um, even right now, focusing on making the most of my 20s um, to be so successful and make a name for myself or not even a name but just like to be successful out here in California and and sometimes I forget that my parents are at home uh, where they will always will be um, and they're thinking about me um, they're loving me and they're just waiting for me to visit uh, when this pandemic is over uh, and not to be simpy or anything but it's like my mom now she just thinks about oh when's the next time you can visit so I can can cook for you again mm -hmm. and I miss my mom's homemade cooking but yeah so I, I can definitely say I've I've become wiser um, I would like to think I've become wiser and my love the love i have for my parents um, has shifted uh, from the what can i get from them mentality to the what can i do for them mentality because um, now at this age i'm always thinking about um, 
what I can do, the next thing I can do for my mom and dad, and how can I make their lives easier. And the, but the only way I was able to prioritize these thoughts and mature my relationship was to forgive my parents for how they raised me and to look past the negatives of their parenting um, and to look deep into their intention behind their childhood, um, behind my family's entire generational upbringing and how they were only trying to survive in the society in this rich people first world, you know? Um, they were just trying to survive in the best and safest way that they can with the knowledge and and resources that they had at the time. So, but there is no way that I would have come across to any of these realizations when I was 14 years old. Um, this just wasn't true, or it was just wasn't possible. So, um, if even you know, as a listener, if you're feeling these feelings now, still this, these frustrations, um, they're so valid because, um, you know, like our our parents came from broken uh broken upbringings as well and it just it, it is unfortunate that you know they what they they only can give to us and parent us the way that they know best as how they were parented um but it, it, it is um sucky because in a way like the way asians um, are raised or asian parents how they work there is some level of like toxicity because um and like mental health they can have effects on it just because of the way asian culture is and how tough they are with with their children um but yeah so Fast forward to now, my mom and my sister are in a group chat because we taught her how to text. So we communicate every day through it and we FaceTime every few weeks. Um, so it, it is crazy and, and life changing because I never would have, I never had this relationship with my mom um, like five, six years ago. Um, but yeah, here we are. And that's the end of my story. That's. That's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing. Oh, who would have thought VSA would be the key? And you know, when I was hearing about, or when I was listening to your story about um, having more empathy and having the patience when they get frustrated or the way that they talk to you, I see that when you are with other people too. So it does translate in your, your relationships with your friends and I'm sure with your relationship with Robin. So oh. I love that you were able to learn that and use it in so many different ways. Thank you. Wow, that's a huge compliment. Yeah, and I, I, I think also it, the double reassurance with like growing deeper in love with my culture is yes. just the fact that that also Orange County is like all fucking Asians. And mm -hmm. like our friend group, all Asian, not mm -hmm. saying like we're like anti not Asian, but like it's just how it is. So we, I have this, I've developed an even stronger like ongoing kinship with people that have shared this story, you know, of like growing up in hardship and having disconnected parents, parents that never understand you. So it is like, it helps that our our friend group and our community is empowering in that too. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, have you ever visited Vietnam? I haven't, but it's on my bucket list. 
Oh, wow. I'm actually pretty... How did you learn Vietnamese? From your parents? Or were you... Um, how about your family? Were you around your family a lot? Yeah, so um, fun fact, Vietnamese was my first language. So I didn't know any English until I was around six or seven years old. So the reason being is because my, my mom and my dad, they were just always talking to me. I know that sounds simple, cause it, but it's harder said than done. They were just always so persistently uh, yeah. persistent with talking to me. Um, and they never enrolled me in an English school or, or school until f until first grade, I believe. So that was when I started learning English. Um, but because my parents, I was just raised by them um, and they were talking to all the time, I just never forgot my Vietnamese yeah. tongue. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I think when there's a disconnect with the language, for example, if one person knows only one language, it's harder for them to communicate with their parents because there's just words that the other person doesn't really understand. So I wonder if that is still relating to your relationship with your parents because they don't know much about English, or they know English, but it is harder for them to translate their emotions or how they feel or how to pretty much raise you because they're more prominent in their Vietnamese language. However, it's interesting because you are still fluent. Yeah, I feel like the there is a barrier, but at least in my case, I felt like it wasn't the language barrier, but it was just the barrier of the fact that they uh, felt like they just could not open up or tell me yeah. um, anything. They just felt very uncomfortable. I think the, here's like to set the context of my mom's communication style. Um, she almost uh, opted me out of sex ed uh, in middle school because she her logic is if my if I don't expose my daughter to these programs, then my it, my daughter will be safer and not mm -hmm. less likely to have sex or like to have inappropriate whatever mm -hmm. sex. So that's, and that kind of transcends to all areas of life. Like my, the, my mom never talked to me about anything because she felt like the more she exposed to me and talked to me about things that the more I would know that could harm me. Um, versus the other way around a Western culture, it's like you want to educate your kids, you want them to, you want yeah. to expose them right so that they learn but it was the opposite with my mom so i think that's a big part of the the barrier too of why mm -hmm. we couldn't get close yeah wow i'm i'm like still processing everything and i don't really have anything to really say because i mean it's not like i think you found your way so it's not like i'm you're seeking advice, but this is such a good success story in building the relationship you have with your parents because a lot of us, myself included, are still going through that, still trying to build and find that medium um, to have a better relationship with their parents. But I just want to say thank you for sharing. I've learned a lot about you, but also um, 
I've learned a lot about how to treat your family members too because sometimes for me, I forget that they are still people. They are still, or I should treat them gently. And I think hearing how you've treat them after having so much space with that or space away from college. Um, sometimes that's something that's sometimes what you need the space to really um, collect your thoughts and to properly be res- I don't want to say respectful, but you know what I mean, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Um, and, and it's definitely a, a two way street still like I, like being kind and gentle and stuff like it's it's definitely like you the end goal is it to not be like a one way right because i i definitely um i don't want to be in a situation where i'm the i'm being nice and i'm treating my parents with this much respect but they're not treating me with respect you know yeah. um so i i had my mom also also had to work to get to that point to view yeah. me as an adult and an equal because i actually took a while too it didn't, it took until i moved to california actually for her to be like oh shit like she's an adult like she's financially taking care of herself um and i guess with some parents the threshold is different it's like with my mom it's like i guess it, it took until i moved for her to be like uh yes she's actually an adult now um yeah. versus when i was in college my mom would still think I'm like 12 years old, you know, um, which is something I disliked. So it, I, I couldn't really, it, I had to have to make sure that she was able to see me as an adult for also to help me uh, bring myself to her as well. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening. Like and giving course. me this, this space to to talk about it on on our podcast. So. Of course, I'm sure there are. Our, our listeners would feel comfort in hearing your story because I think a lot of us are going through this and trying to mend the relationship they, what we have with not only our parents but with other people. So this is a good reminder but also just a breath of fresh air that it is possible as long as you work for it and as long as you have an open heart because you are going to have those difficult times with your loved ones but as long as you have an open heart um and you listen and you try to find that medium between you both i think there is some hope to get 100%, there 100% 100% yeah well dang i feel even i feel great like after this episode too just being able to to speak it out into existence because mm-hmm. to, for me i just need to like it's like a verbal journal as well so yeah this was yeah. awesome yeah thank you i hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode please tune in next week because I don't know what the episode would be about, but it does come out on Mondays, usually at 4 a.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. <laughs> Eastern. So wake up at 4 a.m. <laughs> it will be on Spotify, on um, YouTube. What else? Um, Anchor FM, Breaker. Sorry. Yeah. Um, any of those, I don't know. but for sure it will be on our socials and our social is at off the clock coffee no podcast right no i don't know i always
always forget that. Okay, it's at Off The Clock Coffee. We're only on YouTube and on Instagram, so follow us there. And until next time, we will see you then. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Thank you.